Welcome to The Determined Mom Show, the only marketing podcast dedicated to guiding mom CEOs into tranquility, wealth, and multiplying those precious moments. Welcome to this episode of The Determined Mom Show. I have for our third and final episode of this series, Dr. Kimya Nuru Dennis. Welcome. Thank you for having me third time. Yes, I'm so excited. This is such a great series and we're talking about so many things that really need to be talked about. And this third and final episode is very, very near and dear to my heart and my life really. Social justice tensions between friends and family. This is a doozy and I think so many people will relate to this episode and it's just a very sensitive topic and it's also a very difficult topic and it's also very important. So. Yes, it is. It's, it's a daily topic. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's something that, you know, I personally, my husband and I talk about it every single day. There's not a day that goes by where something in our lives, a friend or a family member doesn't bring this up in some way, shape or form. So tell us about it. All right. That's how I looked at you. Like, who wants to start? Yeah. All right. So this is when we're talking about, and again, hundreds of thousands of years of humans, inequities have existed and justices have existed because we're talking about demographic cultural identities, which can include health, include economic status, gender identity, non-identity, sexuality, asexuality, ethnicities, nations of origin, languages, religions, spirit. And then the last five centuries are when the racial categorizations existed and white people created those to put all these ethnicities and nations of people into these narrow categorizations. And they, they used to be even, even more narrow and they're becoming more expansive, but there's still people to understand how all of these identities coexist everything that we are as people at any given time. So that's why discussing family connections, friends connections and coworkers and colleagues are important because white people are mad about January 6, 2021. So white liberals, white progressives, white Democrats, white libertarians, white anti-fascists, white socialists, the list goes on of the white people who claim that Five centuries are to blame for Trump, GOP, conservatives, like, like all white people are not a component of all of this, right? Right. So whenever white people are outright outraged over what a majority white group of rioters who start off as protesters and I always tell people there's a reason why it shifts in terms of violence particularly for the power majority and white people are the power majority. So white outrage has always for five centuries around the world been allowed to not just be outspoken everywhere, including in school board meetings, right? Yeah. But white people are allowed to be violent without people calling them violent. People will yep. just say, well, this is a form of speech. Mm -hmm. Or they had a mental illness is one of my favorite ones. They, they, white people love to make it mental illness, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And um, I also taught serial killer courses about serial killers mm. as a criminologist. And I always had to explain that most people have some form of a mental illness, mm -hmm. right? Short-term yeah. or lasting. Most people are not going to do a lot of these bad things. So right. even if someone does have a mental illness, that's not the direct causal factor. Right. So if someone is paranoid schizophrenic and they're on medications or they had to get off their medications for various reasons, that is not a direct causal factor of them rioting with a bunch of white people at the nation's capital. Right. Yeah. I, I find it uh, very interesting that it's like all of these people, like even going all the way back to, what is it, Jeffrey McVeigh, the Oklahoma mm -hmm. City bomber, like they called him the Unabomber, right? Or is that what, yep. we, am I mixing two people up? So you're thinking Jeffrey Dahmer, so the McVeigh no. is... No, I'm talking about the, the, the guy that did the bombing, for sure. Yeah, so his name yeah. is 
think Jeffrey. Yeah, let's Dahmer, keep going. I'm going to look it up because I think name he was is... the serial killer. Jeffrey Dahmer was the person that ate the people, I think. Um, yep. So it's Timothy McVeigh and Timothy... Jeffrey is from the um, Got it. other. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So Timothy McVeigh, like all the way back then, like how was he not considered a terrorist? Like they've never like used that term. Like, but if anyone of any other race does anything, it's immediately a terrorist act. That's just boggles my mind. Well, that's, that's what we call white freedom. Like mm-hmm. freedom of speech is basically white people. Right to bear arms is basically about white people. Yep. And the same thing applies to when we're talking about terrorism, despite five centuries of European white terrorism around the world, despite white people stealing land and stealing people. And of course, hundreds of thousands of years, humans have stolen from each other, controlled each other, enslaved each other around the world. But this is a different form because it has a different lasting impact for five centuries that made white people, despite 12% of the world population, the power majority of the world, which includes when people talk about the world's most powerful, wealthiest nations, they are predominantly white nations. And I tell people to stop using the categories of first world, second world, third world, because despite how they were initially created, a white man took it to make it into about power. White people are falsely labeled as intellectuals, as inventors, as creators. Most of the things that people are taught K through 12, even in doctoral programs, medical degree programs, including teachers who are teaching stuff to every generation, are taught that white people's violence was finding new nations. Mm -hmm. Like they talk about the founding of America. Isn't today like President's Day or some other nonsense holiday mm-hmm. it sure is isn't it i'm glad yeah. we're today because i don't celebrate these holidays yeah um so yeah so we're supposed to celebrate the presidents who have contributed to terrorism mm-hmm. and that's president of every and i'm gonna say it again every political party every single president yeah through funding through people celebrating america not being at war but literally america is war every single day because we still have military people around the world who are also raping and killing people around the world. We still have funds. Our tax paying money is always in a war and creating the war. Oftentimes American government and European government and Canadian governments are the ones initiating these wars around the world. So I always tell people do not celebrate America finally not being at war. America's always at war. That's just one thing to think about. So when people celebrate these presidents, I always say, why are you celebrating them in the first place? And that ties to, of course, people having friendships and family connections. This is not about people controlling what other people believe and what other people say. It's instead getting people to understand what is, what is a deal breaker? Mm-hmm. Like I, a deal breaker for me is not when I see Black people stand for the Star Spangled Banner. I haven't done that for decades, but I'm, that's not a deal breaker for Black people because there's a reason why Black people are patriotic in the nations in which we were stolen because we built this nation. Right. So the patriotism comes from us knowing that it exists because we were forced to create it. And there are also Indigenous people who are patriotic and who've been in the military for America, despite this land being stolen from their people and their people being murdered, lynched as well. So, yeah. So this is why I always tell people that whether the issue is homophobia, transphobia, racism, sexism, ableism, you can't be doing marches and streets and claiming outrage over January 6, 2021, if every day you interact with family and friends and colleagues who are conveying the same harmful messages. Right. And, and they don't know that you have a problem with it because you're, they're accustomed to you being complacent and compliant. And yeah, that's a, a serious issue where it's like not saying anything is just agreeing with whatever they say or whatever, you know, that they believe. Yeah. It, it's, I've been fighting <laughs> with my family, I would definitely say literally fighting, um, with my family for at least a decade about different 
topics in this arena, whether it be immigration or, um, you know, just a million different things. And it has, I've literally like just stopped talking to people. Like, I'm like, oh, you know what? Like <laughs> be, you being in my life is not more important than you understanding or us understanding each other. And the, the thing that bothers me is personally is when people like vote or basically believe those things and then they turn around and say that they love my kids that is like the worst thing that you could ever do in my like in my mind like you can't vote against those interests and then say that you love my husband you love my kids you love my friends like that's not possible Sometimes are a complete waste. I, I, I tell people, as a Black person who demands reparations, I demand it in a different kind of way. I don't want us to have a check in our account, because if you're still going to require me to pay taxes on this stolen land that I'm here because my people were forced to be here for my reparations. Mm-hmm. If you're going to keep putting oppressive materials in every school around the world, then you're taken from my reparations. The list goes on and on. So this is where people just have to like pretend this is a counseling session. What are your deal breakers? Like if you go to a counselor and you're talking about an emotionally or physically horrible, romantic, intimate partnership, think about what the counselor would oftentimes say. Like how many times are y'all going to debate with each other before you recognize that this is just a deal breaker? This can't be fixed. Maybe we should never see each other again, or if we see each other, it should be a head nod, wave, and going about your business. And this is why I just think that it's important for people to highlight who in their life is a deal breaker. Because family, for me, is always quotation marks. I don't believe that family has to be assigned to you. Family is what we create. Right. Biological family does not mean that has to be your family. Friendships, most people are not your friend, like people since preschool, they're, you know, brainwashed to believe that just because you can talk to someone about a certain topic that makes them your friend. Mm -hmm. And social media has made people's definitions of friendships even worse. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, I know that person's cousin's sisters. Yeah. 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 That hashtag person. Yeah. Yeah. Like that person is not someone who you can speak with during life tragedies. That person is someone who you can speak with regarding every professional. That means that person is part of your social capital and social networks. That's not a friendship. And sometimes they might be, you might be telling that person something they're using it to harm you in some way. So this is also something that adults need to learn about healthy, productive relationships. And that's a general sense. And especially when we start talking about demographic and cultural identities. And one example I also use is when we're talking about multicultural, multiracial, interracial. Most of the time when people highlight that, they're talking about somehow white people are involved, Mm -hmm. right? And that's been the case for generations when people talk about, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, the doggone, was it Coca-Cola commercial or was it Pepsi that had the... I like to teach yes. the world to sing. And that commercial was so stupid. Like back then it just looked so sunny because we were children. But in retrospect, when I say that commercial, it's a very stupid commercial because despite them celebrating the different complexions, melanins of our people around the world, it was still led by white people, blue, blue hair, uh, blue, blue eyes. I wish they had blue hair, mm-hmm. um, blue eyes and blonde hair, right? Yeah. So the same thing is whenever we talk about multiculturalism, various identities, it's always based in white people being the central focus and everyone else becoming white enough. So if you have very dark melanin and you're from East India, you now better make sure you at least have thinly textured hair and you can comb it over and look like a white guy with very dark skin and you can whiten your voice as much as possible. When talking about interracial relationships, biracial children, it's almost always a white person in there. Mm -hmm. 
rarely do people highlight interracial, multiracial being based in indigenous people and Asians, mm -hmm. black people and non-white Latinx, Latina, Latino. Almost always when you see a commercial, it's a white person with the rest of us. Yeah. So that's how we know that there's also an issue there in terms of how people define friendships and collaborations because they still see it in the scope of white people have to be here somewhere. Right. So if that's a general sense in terms of marketing for companies, this notion that biracial has to, you can't exclude white people, right? Then that's also something that white people of every socio-political scale around the world has been taught since childhood, even though they'll say they were never taught that, they were still taught that through verbal and nonverbal cues because that's what they saw. So like, even if they saw children of various racial and ethnic and cultural identities at school or at home, they still saw it as, I want to be with you, but then I can pick and choose when to go back to my white people. Right. There's a, a normality for them. Right. For me, well, it, I mean, it used to be for me, obviously, before I married my husband, but you know, there's that normality where you go back and like, I go to my mom's house and everybody there is white, you know, and like, there's yep. no anything. And here's the thing that's actually fine with me. I'm not one of those people who believes that the world has to become everyone mixed together because that's again, when sociologists talk about colorblind racism, it's also based on this notion that we can't have our own identities. It has to be everyone intergrained and especially everyone integrated with white people. Mm -hmm. So it's this falsehood that like people will talk about New York and New York has these different spaces like Italian spaces, Jewish spaces. And when they say Jewish, by the way, that's white Jews. Mm -hmm. You're not gonna see Ethiopian Jews in these spaces. So right. they pretend that that's a race neutral space but it's white people still. And they pretend that having these different spaces and these areas that are some of the original terms of ghetto in the early 1900s, that that is another example of all these spaces coexisting, but no, people still go home to their own people, which again, that's fine with me because I don't think that, I don't think that racial justice has to mean churches and stuff. I don't think racial justice has to be interracial dating and biracial children. Mm -hmm. I think that we can all be in our own spaces with our own people of the same racial, ethnic, religious, other cultural identities without op being oppressed. Just like when we talk about dismantling white Anglo-Saxon Protestant dominance in parts of the world, that doesn't mean that now white Anglo-Saxon Protestants have to go around mingling with every religion of people and say, well, we're gonna be with all of you. No, go back to your corner, but just know that your corner is not in charge of everyone else's spaces. I don't know if I, I'm capable, like, I mean, I, I know I'm capable, but I'm not sure without hearing it from someone like you that I can make sense of it. And I can, at least I don't feel capable, if that makes sense. You are. Well, so here's the thing. When we talk about any forms of equity, whatever topic is of em emphasis, mm -hmm. people have to remember we're all capable, mm -hmm. which goes back to, again, when white people watch these other white people storming into the nation's capital. A lot of times people will claim they're not capable of violence. That's a very common thing when someone commits an act of violence and their friends and families oftentimes say that that person would never do that. Right. And that's why as a criminologist, I tell people, you literally never know what someone's thinking and what someone is dreaming about that they could do if they had the resources to do so. And that's exactly what happened with the January 6th people who've been caught. A lot of them are like, oh, you know, Trump did this to me. Or I just, you know, my mind just went everywhere. Mm -hmm. I was just and doing the five, crowd. Mm -hmm. Yeah, follow the crowd and doing five centuries of white people's tears. That's another common thing, right? Yep. White people can do everything white people want to do. And at the end of the day, cry. Because now we're blamed for not understanding white people's struggles, right? Yep. So this is where I just tell white people, the white liberals, white progressives, whatever title they give themselves that's cool on social media at any given moment, what changes are they implementing beyond just speaking against Trump? 
beyond speaking against GOP, beyond celebrating that you went to a George Floyd support protest in 2020, beyond being mad at those darn white people on January 6th, beyond apologizing for being white, which I can't stand that. We don't need white apologies and white tears. Uh, whiteness does not need to go away for racial inequities to go away. What are people doing besides pretending that I'm no longer going to this family reunion because that's a Trump supporter cousin? Mm -hmm. I'm not impressed by that either. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are people doing if they work with someone who's a Trump supporter? Yeah. Okay. Now, instead of focusing on Trump supporter, because this stuff has existed five centuries before Trump existed, I don't care about Trump. That's why the whole pro-Trump, anti-Trump stuff since 2016 is stupid to me. It's a complete distraction that particularly white people of every political realm want us to stare at the Trump stuff so that we can ignore what's happening in schools, medical facilities and everything, right? Yep. So this is why I tell white people, instead of you expressing your anger, you're, you're mad at a family member who's a Trump supporter and now you think that I care about that, what are you really accomplishing? Nothing. This is why I always tell people, like you're mad yeah. at your cousin. Okay, maybe you don't want to see your cousin ever again. Yeah. But the next step, you know, yeah. what else are you going to do? Definitely those conversations need to be had about what the feelings are behind that. I mean, the feelings about what you feel as a person versus what they feel as a person and kind of just having those discussions of like, okay, why do you think that's not right? Why do I think it's not right? Why do we disagree? Mm -hmm. And really just figuring it out. And if you come to the conclusion that you can't figure it out, then I think that mm -hmm. those are when those deal breakers come up. Yeah. So, so that's where they'll say, okay, this family member is, well, I always tell people, Racism is beyond individual level, right? So I don't waste time calling individual white people racist because you will waste the rest of your life debating whether an individual's racist. And meanwhile, the curriculum's still horrible. The medical policies are still horrible, right? So this is where if people have deal breakers with someone in their family or friendship circle who's making comments that are anti-Black, anti-Asian, anti-Indigenous, then, okay, that could be a deal breaker, right? But no longer speaking with that person is going to be a daily process because that person might be pro something else that you're interested in. Like that person might be anti-Asian, but they're pro-recycling and they're pro-ecosystem. And a lot of people have told people, I disagree with you on this, but we agree on that. And that's the thing that Black people are told when we collaborate. We're told constantly that we need to be around anti-Black people because we need to reach more common goals. Think about what five centuries Black people being told in particular. And this includes Black LGBTQIA people, Black people with a disability, poor Black people are told to be forgiving, particularly of white people, yeah. because there's a larger goal to reach. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you can't, like we're told to constantly, like every day we're, we're told you can't have deal breakers. Mm -hmm. And also like you had brought up uh, in one of the other episodes, I can't remember which one particularly, okay. but you brought up that, that feeling of like, you know, that you can't fight every single injustice that comes your way in a single day because you would just be absolutely exhausted. And that's kind of going into what you're talking about right now. You just have to as a black person, accept those things or else you're literally never going to get through your day. And that's the conditioning that you're talking about. Yeah. And that's the difficult thing because there are some things that you can't tolerate, but you don't have to make at the end of the day. So, mm -hmm. so I tell people, if you say certain things around me that are homophobic, transphobic, that are whatever the case may be, I might respond and let you know don't say that around me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes that's organizations where like sometimes medical and health organizations, they'll want to put my name on something that's very exclusive. And I tell them, no, don't put my name on that. Yeah. 
I don't put I don't put my whole attention on that because I I'm like I said what I said and I have to move on to something else. Yeah. You know, it's black people oftentimes depicted as people who are tearing down buildings and like, you know, we've got five centuries of doing riots. Yes, we've done that. That's also how the Haitian Revolution happened, mm -hmm. sending them white people back to France. But guess what? White people never forget they're very vindictive, which is why Haiti is the most impoverished nation in the Western Hemisphere. Because the French coalition with other Europeans, with Canadians and the United States of America to keep Haitians oppressed to this day. Mm -hmm. That's how I tell that's how I tell people white people will disappear because they know that they're going to punish you in another way. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's the thing about telling people that something is that you're not going to tolerate something. However, it's not a deal breaker in the sense that everything else has to stop then and there. That's what people have to decide for themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what if it is a deal breaker? So let's say you have those conversations with your family members and you realize that there's just like, they're just not like, I, I'm going to go here to my own family and, and friends. And like, it seems like there are people that are so rooted in their beliefs that they can't think of anything else. And in that instance, no matter how many times you talk with them, no matter how many times you try to understand where they're coming from and get them to understand where you're coming from, they just don't understand. And they, they're literally like incapable of, of thinking beyond what they've been taught and what they believe. So what do you do in that case? So is it that they don't understand or they don't care? Because I think that's also a very calming mechanism when we pretend that people are ignorant mm -hmm. in terms of not knowing. Yeah. I don't right? give them a card for that though. <laughs> I don't yeah. give them a pass. I'm like, I don't care if you're right. ignorant or if you're, you know, if you're, uh, you know, if you know what you're doing or if you don't know what you're yeah. doing, it's not okay either way. That's right. Um, that's right. I mean, and you have to remember you're an exception in that how you handle it is not how most people handle it. And it does vary also by the the circumstance like i mean sometimes people say horrible things like i went to a few uh, i try to stay away from funerals at all costs but i went to a funeral almost 10 years ago in which the deceased person's family brought in a family member who is a traditional conservative black pastor and he made a basically a sermon at the funeral which that's a nightmare sermons are anyway but uh he went in there and started talking about being gay at a funeral. And at a funeral. Yeah. So that person was very not accommodating to homophobic people. So the family unfortunately still brought in that homophobia while the person is laying in the casket. And so my colleagues and I, and including my colleagues who are gay, we just sat there silently because we're like, we're not going to march out and protest because this is not the time for that. Right. And we're actually not going to preach to that family about how this is wrong because the family actually knows it's wrong, which is why they did it when the person's in the casket, because yep. the person would not allow them to do that any other time. Mm -hmm. So this is also when you have to notice as a deal breaker, because these are some people that after this incident happens, they will get the best message when I'm no longer available for them. Mm -hmm. Yep. So there's some things that we can't always speak out in a sense of speaking, but we speak out in a sense of absence. And I tell people, if you're speaking out in a sense of absence, don't say you're just too busy. Mm -hmm. Like don't make up lies and say, oh, I have a meeting. Yeah. Like if people insist on knowing why you're no longer available, tell them, I don't like you anymore because you said this. It doesn't have to be a conversation after, after you say that either. You've said mm -hmm. what you said and you're going about your business. And I hold people accountable when they lie and say, oh, my schedule got too hectic. People are very phony. That's another social learning component, how people learn to be. They learn to create all sorts of different excuses. Mm -hmm. And so I tell people, you're not a change agent. You're not a community advocate. You're not anti-racist. You're not anti-colonialism. You're not anti-anything if you make up excuses for what you do. Yeah. to accommodate the power majority or the oppressors. 
Because mm. if they can really still be fun. cool with you, yeah, I mean, it's cowardly. It's very cowardly. Because if they can still be cool with you and say, oh, I know you're busy. No, I don't, I don't need people to know I'm busy. I'm, I could be at home watching my favorite show. I've separated from you. Mm-hmm. And that's what I always make sure people know. I don't waste time with long conversations because there's nothing to, to interlock. There's no dissecting of information. There's no further discussion that's not complex. I've already just told you. Yeah. And a lot of people are afraid to do that because we talk about connections, professional connections, personal connections. And a lot of people have been taught all their life as part of the brainwashing that you have to be connected with everybody. Mm-hmm. You've got to be the good person. That's how white people love the be kind phrase. Yes. And, you know. and being liked by everyone and being mm-hmm. like that person that everyone's like, oh yeah, she's, she can do this or she, she can help me with that. Or, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I get that. Especially white women, mm-hmm. white women are like at the top of the whole be kind movement thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. They'll pretend they got it from Gandhi. You know, they'll pretend it's like some kind <laughs> yeah. of culturally conscious, like, and they'll misquote Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. All yeah. sorts of stuff. You know, yep. <clears throat> they don't find like his critiques of white moderates and stuff. They just pick and choose the stuff they like. And they'll pretend that it's kindness. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, that's a distra- disguise as well. Instead of being honest about here's the problem. Here's specifically who is the problem. So problems are not abstract, right? Right. Like I always tell school officials and anyone, don't tell me the problem is someone ahead of you. Like, again, we're talking about planets and aliens. Tell us specifically who is the problem so we can go to that person. Right. And we're not going to say, oh, we just mysteriously found you. We're going to say so-and-so told us to find you. You know, that when people try to act like it's mystery, it's the same perpetuating injustices because people don't want to be held accountable for the problem. Accountable. They want to hold others accountable for the problem. And then the people who are the key decision makers, they pretend to be just, I'm just here. Mm-hmm. But they're making sure they're not just here when it's time to, to take their salary to the bank. Yep. I tell people, if you're just here, if you're not doing anything, then why are you getting the salary? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of those things are like amazing. And if you're listening, I hope that you're thinking about all these things and how they can, you know, present in your life and in your relationships and with your coworkers. And I mean, there's just so many different areas Mm -hmm. that this applies to. I mean, literally every single relationship in your life, whether it be your boss or your cousin or your sister or your mom or your significant other or so many different things. I have a, I know people that are of different political spectrums than their spouses. And I do not understand how people can be in a relationship with someone that they're, they have, you know, such different views of the world. It doesn't make sense to me. I, I couldn't do it. I like would not be able to do it. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I'm sure. So here's something that we have to understand realistically as adults. Mm-hmm. For, the, for the people in your life, you don't really know their belief. Mm-hmm. You just know what they convey. Right. You don't know their voting patterns. You just know what they say. Every single f- relationship, which includes marriage, has included people with differing voting patterns and beliefs than assumed. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people are not sharing their true opinion because they don't want to argue. And they're fine with you assuming that they have good opinions. Mm-hmm. And it's also, it's historical. So like when we talk about the views that many Black people started having regarding immigration, including African immigrants, that started because white people falsely conveyed that now Black people have to compete with right. everyone in order for black rights to happen. Although it is true that the rights of many people are on the backs of black people because civil rights movements, mostly because of black people, the LGBTQIA pride and rights movements started with black transgender people. Feminism really originated with black women, okay? 
particularly African women and Asian women as well, indigenous women. It did not start with white women in that sense. Yeah. So in that sense, it's very true sometimes that black people, we can become very stiff because we're very tired of including people in our movements and in our rights struggles. And then when people get included, they step on our necks and backs to get excelled and then say, we're all the way up here. We've succeeded. Why are you black people not doing well? So that's why I don't use like acronyms, BIPOC, of color, any of that stuff. I'm not part of any of that. I'm black. I don't use of color because most people who are in the of color, you will rarely find organizations and movements and activism where people of various ethnicities participated with black people consistently. Not just one march, not just one organization, not just one chapter of a student group, but consistently. It's like black people are very active in addition to challenging other black people regarding anti-Asian violence. However, it's very rare to find Asian and black organizations. There are some organizations that are Asian and black based mm-hmm. and co- regarding justice, but it's relatively rare. Yeah. So when you see black people who become anti-immigrant and a lot of people who are pushing for reparations for us become anti-immigrant because they falsely believe that it's a competition. On one end, yes, it is true that a lot of people have built from the struggles that we've fought against, but the rest of that is white people trying to to convince us to perceive threat from everyone else. Yeah. Like, like white people own all this and therefore we have to compete with everyone to get to where white people are. This was not created by white people in terms of resources. White people did not create awesome stuff. White people do not own awesomeness. Therefore, we are all not competing with each other. So I always have to explain that to black people who are anti-immigrant because of course we're not immigrants by choice. We were forced here, but our people who are immigrants by choice even if they've been taught to be anti-Black, because anti-African, anti-Black are around the world, because that's part of the brainwashing to become white enough over the centuries. Even people who are anti-Black, we don't have to be anti-them to try to prove a point. Instead, we literally have to say, we actually have a lot more in common. We're part of the same cultures, even from different nations, but the same cultures and identities were very similar. And unity is required for there to be forms of justice over future centuries. So that's where we just have to explain the historical historical origins and current meaning of a lot of people saying things. So if I'm around Black, whether it's in my family or friendships or in organizations who say things that are anti-immigrant, including anti-Africa, it's not a deal breaker for me. Instead, I teach them things that they were not taught in school, that they were not taught in their family. Yeah. Because most Black people do not have access. I'm Pan-African, but most Black people do not have access to 150 plus years of Pan-African knowledge that also shares like African mathematics, African sciences. They're taught that no real things that matter are created by our people for thousands of years. Yeah, and that's Which also connects. Yeah, yeah, which also connects with them thinking that being pro-Black requires being pro-Black on Western Hemisphere for five centuries and pretending that we did not exist before anything as enslaved people. Yeah. Like we came here empty handed. Yeah, exactly. And you brought, your ancestors brought so many of our traditions as white people. (laughs) Like, you know. There's a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. Like white people try to say that they created spirituals um, Mm -hmm. because, you know, we write about Negro spirituals. A lot of white people say white people create that. And the fact is that for thousands of years, various cultures of people have had different forms of musics. So I always tell white people, instead of trying to erase what we talk about, go focus on what Europeans did. Just like a lot of times, you know, white people are wealthy because they own a lot of the voodoo shops, incense shops, candle shops. They're stealing thousands of years of knowledges, candles, incense, sage burning from indigenous people, Asians, Africans, they own these shops in many major cities and they're making a lot of money and I don't support any of these shops. 
Same thing when you look at like Asian medicine centers and Asian medical academic programs, they're, guess what, created, led by white people. Yep. So, I mean, one deal breaker for me, though, is if I have a friend or family member who patronizes these places, but then they want to complain. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't stand people who complain, but they keep doing the same thing over and over again. Black people are some of the biggest customers. We spend a lot of money, unfortunately, at Asian stores in which Asians will create, it's, it's basically blackface. Most blackface products are made in China and Japan. And so Asians are the people who are given most of the bank loans and therefore Asian stores are located in mostly black parts of cities and they're selling fake African earrings, mm-hmm. all sorts of fake black attire yeah. made in China. Usually they're not bought from like local black shops creating this stuff. Same thing with Chinese restaurants is not authentic Chinese food. It's things like horribly burned or fried chicken, fried collards, not collards, chitin, chitlins, stuff that black people taught Asians how to make mm-hmm. during the Vietnam war. It goes on and on and they, they profit from this as well. Yeah. So for me, it's not a deal breaker when I see black people shopping there. Like I'm not gonna end friendships I will be the one lecturing about this. So yeah. I'm oftentimes not going to be invited when it's a shopping day. <laughs> yeah. Because I need people to understand, you know, yeah. like we can't, that's another part of reparations. You can't say, you know, we demand this, but yet you're not challenging the cities. You have to understand how city planning, city design, and bank loans are always racist, classist, ableist, sexist. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason why there's certain shops that are the most successful that are selling products to Black people that are not made by Black people and they're fake products. They're they're, It's annoying stuff. Like my deal breaker though would be a Black person who wants to be my friend, but they don't understand this problem. It's one thing if they insist on shopping there Mm -hmm. and they admit that they don't want to be caught in camera shopping there. It's another problem if they don't understand that problem. Then my friendships and stuff will have to cut off because yeah. that's sometimes I go through my contact list on my iPhone, mm-hmm. like I did the other day, and I delete people because yeah. I just think that's healthy for us to do as adults is, mm-hmm. is to admit that there's some things that we hold on to for no reason. Yeah. Um, there's some people who really want to pretend they don't understand, but they understand it's just that challenging the establishment takes more time from their busy schedule or they have to pay more oftentimes to certain stores yeah and they'd rather pay less to people who are actually harming our people yeah so and if they get tired of me holding them accountable sometimes I do have to delete them because you know I can't have my name on on their (laughs) list of people yeah exactly I understand that completely and it goes back kind of to what we were talking about earlier, that same, do they not know or do they not understand or do they not want to understand? Or I think that's how you put it. Is that right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, they know. I mean, mm-hmm. we have a lot more and more information out here. We have black organizations for centuries and not just NAACP and Urban League. I mean, we have to remember these, when Dr. W.B. Du Bois and Ida B. Wells and them created NAACP back then, they did it for a different purpose. Colored people was used because we were called colored and then eventually it started integrating different racial and ethnic groups who were not white. Mm-hmm. Then unfortunately NAACP became very not black in a sense. Um, although there are chapters that still very much defend our people, it's very much based in what's approved by white liberals. Yeah. So I want people to focus on the black groups that are not well-funded, that are not well-known, the black groups that are considered radical in a bad sense, Mm -hmm. the black groups that are oftentimes labeled as extremists. Mm -hmm. Black Panther Party was labeled that. Of course, unfortunately they had issues of sexism and and other issues, But, but there's many groups, there's black women radical groups who are you know, some of the origins of real gender equity work before feminism became this popular thing for white women. So I encourage people that we can have deal breakers with families and friends and coworkers, but if you're cutting people out in your life, you need to expand your horizons to different groups that you were always told to stay away from. Yeah. 
different groups that you were told are the angry black people are oftentimes angry for good reason. We have every reason yeah. to be angry, right? Exactly. But contrary to what people are taught on the media and in schools, black people are not running around killing white people. Yep. Black people are not running around abusing and controlling white people. Yep. Um, just like we say that women should be mad at men. Like whenever men say, oh, you hate men mm-hmm. and women are like, I don't hate you, but we have every reason to, but I don't. Same thing pertaining to when we're talking about black people where we're told that we're angry no matter what we do when we say no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I tell people, if you're going to have a deal breaker with people and take people out your life, that doesn't mean you have to now be socially isolated and lonely. <laughs> That's a lot right. of people are scared of. Yeah. They're scared of being lonely now. Yeah, that's true. And then the pandemic has um, accentuated that just because everybody kind of got cut off from the world. And then it's like, oh my goodness, I don't want to lose anybody, you know? To be honest with you, a lot of people were lonely anyway. Mm -hmm. Like they're around their family and their family's saying all sorts of stuff to which you disagree. They're saying false things that you know you can't change. So that's very lonely. And it's also mentally horrible. It's horrible for your mental health and physical health. So sometimes you might need some moments of loneliness so that you can take a break from people and think, what do I want? Exactly. Not what my boyfriend said, but what do I want? And that can reshape what people's focus is. And a lot of just people, a lot of people have just been taught to not think individually. Yeah. They've been taught since birth to think based on what your family tells you to believe. Then you think based on what schools tell you. And for me, when I interact with college students, I tell them the first day of class, that you're gonna learn stuff different from what you've been taught since childhood. And you should learn stuff different. Yeah. And definitely. some people say, I'm afraid to disagree with my mama. Well, if you believe everything your mama believes, that is problematic. You are too grown to be falling for that nonsense. Yeah. It's okay to believe something that's counter to that. So that's that's another thing that deal breakers have to include, people being prepared for there to be disagreements. For, for the people they love, even to know that you've gone too far, I'm taking a break. Mm-hmm. And I might come back, I might not. Yeah. But people have to understand that you're beyond concepts and theories and threats of ending relationships with people. You know, I think people do, especially white people, I'm going to say this, they do use that like as a threat, you know, like but it's not a threat anymore if you're willing to let it go. Literally, they can not hold anything against you because you have understood that they're not aligned with your thought process and you just let it go. And there's no, it's a, it's an element of control, which I think is intrinsic in our white society is just, we need to have control over everything and everyone. And you can't control everyone. You can't control everything. And that's a perfect example of it. Like, yeah. So. If we're talking about power, definitely. So mm-hmm. powers pertains to race. White people do that. Powers mm-hmm. pertains to gender, cisgender people, men do that. Yep. And the list goes on. If we're talking about humans in general, humans do that yep. for hundreds of thousands of years. Humans are very categorical. Uh, most humans are taught that everything has to fit in a category. So I always tell people, if you consider yourself different than everyone else, remember there's a subset of societies that are different as well. So you're always part of some kind of category. Yeah. And so humans just need to understand that we as humans were taught very much based on learned behavior. 99% of the things that humans do is not genetics, not biological. You know, when we talk about social constructs and sociology, race, gender, sexuality is a social construct. It doesn't mean these things don't exist if we close our eyes and say it doesn't exist anymore. It still exists, right? Mm -hmm. We don't have to erase it. We just have to understand the meaning varies across groups of people, across individuals. And we have to understand that many people spend their whole entire lives defining themselves, not based on what they know and what they want, but based on what other people consider the standard. Mm-hmm. which is why a lot of people, I'm going to go back to January 6th again last year, which is why a lot of white people keep repeating the same thing over and over again to criticize the January 6th riot without explaining what they're doing to change something in their own life. That's another distraction. They, they want us to celebrate that they're outraged about Trump and January 6th people. But then when you ask them, okay, what are you doing to change something in your life? Are you changing school curriculum? They get offended because mm-hmm. 
they've been taught their life that they can criticize other stuff without actually having to change anything. Yeah. That white people in particular, we should, we should celebrate you for criticizing something. Yeah. Criticizing something is absolutely nothing, right? But that's yeah. the whole routine again. It's, it's not based on changes. And the same thing happens in bias trainings. Bias trainings designs you to keep thinking about your thought process. Right. It doesn't yeah. tell you to actually do some stuff, right? Yeah. They might say at the end, we're going to make some changes and blah, blah, blah. But it's really focused on, I know my bias. Yeah. And then what most white people learn from these bias trainings and book clubs is how to smell at us more. Mm-hmm. Or they might join some committees and they'll say, we're fighting the power to help people. And some people will say, I appreciate white people doing that because we need your money. We need your voice, blah, blah, blah. But I tell people, don't appreciate that but so much because mm-hmm. it's not freedom if the freedom is based on the power majority because mm-hmm. we're still asking power majority's permission and resources. Yep. That's part-time freedom because the, the moment the power majority gets too busy or is no longer interested or does not feel celebrated enough, they can go back to doing what they were doing before. Yeah. And I, think and I have to tell this a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really think that that's clearly happened since the George Floyd incident. Like everybody was outraged for all of 2020 and then like 2021 came and like less people were talking about it and even less and less and less and less. And now the majority of the people that were outraged at that point don't even talk about it at all anymore. Like, it's just not something that they care about anymore. I don't know. It's, it's crazy. And some of that originated with slave abolition. So people pretend, and unfortunately a lot of textbooks used in schools, including PhD programs, pretend that white people were the majority of slave abolitionists. Mm -hmm. And that white people invented slave abolition. That's the part that really gets me, right? When enslaved Africans, enslaved black people who've been on this stolen land for centuries by that time, that we were just happy. And then white people showed up and said, did you know there's freedom? And we're like, oh my goodness, there's freedom? No, that's not. Uh, Literally, black people have done uprisings, protests, Unfortunately, that's some of the earliest when we talk about Ebel's Landing, the Ebel's who jumped from the slave ship and unfortunately drowned by the dozens. But we've literally protested. We, you know, of course, we were on ships with people who speak different languages and stuff. So we did not understand what was happening a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Even if we were sold by our own people, the fact still remains we were stolen. Yeah. People, a lot of times, people like to highlight. African slave owners or black slave owners on this continent, they think that they're highlighting something to prove us wrong. Yeah. And when they do that, they're 100% doing that to support and defend white people. Right. Right. That's done to defend white people. Cause you know, whenever you think you're doing that to prove a point, the point is always to prove to black people that we're blaming the wrong person. Yeah, exactly. We're not blaming the wrong people. (laughs) Okay. Blaming the right people. Yeah. Yeah, you know, in a world that's 12% white, if you can show us some instances in which Black people have owned slaves, oftentimes own the slaves who are of their same family, which intentionally means you're buying back your family, duh. But people who spend time doing that, they're just showing that people will waste time on the dumbest things because instead of putting that investment in research and writing to change funding and other things, they put that in our face and say, look here, Black people, this will teach you how to shut up. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't. <laughs> it's well, no, because it just it proves is. again that people have different purposes for what they do. Yeah. In their mind, they're putting this in our place. And that happens. Some white professors do that in colleges. A lot of times white legislators do that. The whole idea over and over again, despite them not reading, they're not well read. So they, they don't know. They haven't found like centuries of black writings, black poetries, Black knowledges that Black people have published on this hemisphere for five centuries alone, they don't know that. What they do is they find a smidget of something and then they think they're telling us to shut up so they can teach us something. Mm-hmm. And white people do that a lot, like including white professors. They they think they're telling me something about myself. Yeah. And that's where I don't argue because I tell people I don't argue with fools. Yeah. I let you have your foolishness on your own because I never, white people want us to waste our time. Mm-hmm. They will, just like when I do trainings, white people would want me to spend two hours in a training debating with white people, and then they can critique my 
business and say all she does is argue white people because she hates white people. Yeah, That's intentional design over and over again. And so I always tell all minoritized people, including black people, to recognize that that is the routine that the power majorities do because they're accustomed to dismissing us as uninformed, unintelligent, and just darn angry. Mm -hmm. So when you waste time arguing, instead of just saying, I hear you, now moving on to my point, right? when you focus instead on correcting them and arguing and stuff, then they'll label you as a person who's about to do some kind of terrorism, burn down buildings or something, and you're complying. You're hostile. (laughs) Hostile, yeah. Yep. Yep. So I love this conversation, as you already know, but what is the final thing that you would like to leave the audience with about this particular topic? Yeah, thank you. So some people are listening and they're like, they don't understand our topic and that's mm-hmm. fine because we're intentionally showing how this topic of deal breakers with your friends, families, and coworkers encompasses a lot of subtopics. We're doing that intentionally because the same way they might feel like they're going in different directions in our conversation, that's how their life is, right? Right. Their life is not straight and narrow in terms of just one issue. So we did this on purpose to show them at the end of your thought process, you have to say, okay, I've just thought about a whole lot of stuff. Now, what can I do with all those thoughts? Mm -hmm. It doesn't always have to be a perfect outcome. So whether it's a family member or friend or coworker who says a lot of harmful things against particular groups of people, or you might find that they're doing something harmful, they might be part of an organization that's anti-Asian, an organization that's homophobic, anti-LGBTQIA. They'll claim it's free speech, free religion, whatever the case may be. You have to say, yep, I, I tell people to write it down. You have to say, can I be around this person and just require this person not to do this around me? You have to look at the pros and cons of doing that. <laughs> do you want it? Because it might be a parent. It might be a real close family member that you didn't know they held on to this until you saw it you might be really shocked. This includes people who are very educated as well. I always tell people, because a lot of people like to pretend when they look at the January 6, 2021 white protesters, they tried to also do a very classist, ableist, fat phobia standpoint. They try to show images of obese, poor, working class, trailer, the phrase trailer trash that I hate so much because that's such a harmful term, but they have this image of the white man, obese, poor. And and I say, no, I said, first of all, that is the classism, ableism, fat phobia that actually solidifies how black people have been depicted Mm -hmm. from the welfare queen to Sarah Bartman to Henrietta Lack at Johns Hopkins University. So don't perpetuate that and claim it's just challenging white people. It's not, it's actually complying with it. Yeah. So that's why I just want people, if they're talking about deal breakers for their families, they have to realize they're going to learn some things about their family, friends, and coworkers that are counter to the stereotypes and assumptions that they've had. Yeah. Like they're going to have the same way that January 6th now reveals that some of these people are cops, former cops. Some of them are teachers. Some of them are legislators. Some of them are the white people who have called themselves out some probably white people who have been in charge of anti-racism committees. Mm -hmm. That's why I call them the average white people. Yeah. The average white person for five centuries has depicted themselves as awesome and even equity-based until you catch them in a time where they feel empowered to be their true self. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so evident in that, just in the videos and everything from that day, (laughs) like you can just see it. That's crazy. Well, this is why I always tell people again, as adults, especially, but also as children, like as children, black children, we're taught since childhood, some of the realities, Mm -hmm. even if not in taught in school, we're taught by our families. I'm born and raised in the second capital confederacy, Richmond, Virginia. My parents are black educators. Mm -hmm. They did not allow us to walk around brainwashed to believe that everyone's just so cool. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know? Yeah. And so this is just where people, I want people to get from this, that this is not about the whole be kind phrase. 
Yes, for mental health, physical health, it's important to have peace. I, I always encourage people to have at least one hour of peace every single day. And that one hour might be telling someone in your life to leave you the hell alone. Yep. Ooh, <laughs> I love that. Let's make that our one hour of peace. <laughs> yeah. That. Like some people think yeah. peace has to be, you lock yourself in the bathroom to breathe because your children mm-hmm. are running around. Yeah. Sometimes your dog might, dogs are very nosy. I love them, but they're mm-hmm. nosy as well. Yeah. But that peace might have to be, you're around people in your life. You might be at a lunch break and people just, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And that includes anti-Trump people because anti-Trump people are mostly in denial about realities that are part of their identity and not just Trump supporters, right? Yeah. So sometimes your peace is getting up from that lunch table and walking away. And those people who you're with, they will try to accuse you of being pro-Trump. And you tell them, actually, I'm an adult who does not believe in any stupidity on any side of this nonsense. Yep. And And that's your peace. Yep. And you have to, when you said the lunch table, it just reminded me of like, you have to choose whether you want to eat alone or whether you want to eat with those people that are Mm -hmm. basically doing the things that you disdain (laughs) like oh yeah and this is this is like school decision makers k-12 teachers Mm -hmm. college faculty are some of the most annoying people in the world across the nation around the world because they think that they're like intellectual owners and no matter the side of the politics, both sides think they're the know-it-alls and they're unchallenged. Yeah. And both sides are very annoying. And so I oftentimes, since I'm not in part, I'm not in any political party, I don't believe, I don't like any politicians. I don't mm-hmm. care who the politicians are. I don't like them. I don't mm-hmm. trust them. So a lot of times as a Black woman, they think I'm a Democrat. They think that I support so-and-so. They mm-hmm. think I'm anti-so-and-so as though I'll be fooled to believe that it, the problem is like the oppressor is just one political party, right? Yeah. And so when I speak out, they're very shocked. Yeah. And I'm like, my knowledge is based in centuries of black knowledge and indigenous knowledge. It's not just based on a hashtag that you learned five years ago. It's not based on DEI and other trainings you started attending 10 years ago. It's based in knowledge. Black people have explained it. The last poets explained it, mm-hmm. you know? We can talk about different, Gilstart Heron talked about it, not just in the revolution will not be televised, but he talks about the white man goes to the moon. You can listen to his entire records, catch it on YouTube for free, where black people have literally explained this for centuries. Some of the gospel singers, jazz singers, professors, all the range of black people have explained it. So I tell people when I walk away, it's not because I'm too busy, it's because this chair over here is a chair that is immune to y'all nonsense. Mm-hmm. And I'm going over there to that chair. And that's my piece because I'm not the good Negro. I'm not the polite Negro. Yes, I'll be dismissed as an angry black woman. I've, that's happened to me on board of directors as well. Mm-hmm. And I am so absolutely fine with that yep. because we're always considered angry black women because we don't allow to be called the strong black woman because strong black woman is always put on us when we're supposed to be silent, compliant, and put everyone else on our backs. Yeah. When we're supposed to fight the power for political parties, I'm not doing any of that. Yeah. That's not my identity. That's not my existence. I'm, I did not come from Adam's rib or any of that. Mm-hmm. So I put myself off to the side because my focus is not going to be determined by other people telling me what to do as a Black woman. Yeah. I love that. And I hope that everyone listening gets the message that we're trying to convey here. And you're just a wealth of knowledge and a wealth of, uh, I want to call it, uh, I don't know, understanding. I mean, you just help people to understand so much. So I really, truly appreciate you. And where is the best place for people to get in contact with you? So they can call me and they call me. They can call me. Yeah. It's all on 365diversity.com. They can also go to my link tree and you can find me on Instagram. Some of my videos are on YouTube. I t- yes, I turn off comments. People always say, why do you ha- not have comments? Because angry white people are angry. Yeah. Yep. And uh, they and they say the same thing and they think that they found a new insult that has not been said for five centuries to black people. Yeah. Like 
no matter how much you call me ugly, fat, whatever, it's literally the same thing we've been told for five centuries. But every new white person thinks they're doing that, which is why they email us and all that the same nonsense. So you'll notice when you find me, I do not have the comments open in certain spaces. However, you can call me, you can send me an email. Just know that if you blocked email address, or a fake number, that means you're not genuine. Mm -hmm. So if you can't be your true self, do not call me and do not email me, okay? I love that. I think we should all have that standard in our life. (laughs) We need to, I tell people, if you can't use your real identity, then we have nothing to discuss. Yeah, and you're up to no good too, by the way. That means you're up to trying to find an insult or trying to find free labor from me and I'm not doing either one of those. Yeah, yep. I love it. Well, thank you, Dr. Kimya and I truly appreciate you and I love this series that we've done. Thank you. I really appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Determined Mom Show. We appreciate you and we would love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. This will help us reach as many other moms as we can. Don't forget to download your 10 things you should be doing to get more clients from Google search guide at rebrand.ly forward slash Google 10.